Drought, inflation, and new policies are pushing America's food supply to a likely breaking point. Now, I'm not trying to scare you, but the time for a survival food plan is now. Head to 4 and check out their 25 super survival food plans. That's the number 4, Patriots.com. And right now, use the code BILL to save 10% on your first purchase of anything in the store. These compact kits are sturdy, water-resistant, and stack easily for storage. Delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners are ready in just 20 minutes. In addition, Four Patriots offer free shipping on orders over $97, plus their famous one-year guarantee. They're called Four Patriots because a portion of every sale is donated to charities supporting veterans and their families. Again, it's the number four, Patriots.com. Use the code BILL to save 10%. That's 4Patriots.com, code BILL. Today is the day to start building your stockpile. Hey, welcome to the Bill Bennett Show, and welcome back, we hope. Thoughtful conversation about the news of the day, and we address the existential threats to America. My co-host, producer, is Claude Jennings. Claude, hello. Yes, hello. Today's a special Scholars and Sense edition of the show. So joining me today, Conrad Black. He's an author, columnist, and media contributor, and as well, the very famous Victor Davis Hanson senior fellow at the Hoover Institute. His focus academically is classics and military history. Mm -hmm. He knows a lot about what's going on. Yeah, now, if I can interrupt right here. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah you can show. interrupt. Yeah, so this I'm is forgetting one, yeah. Well, no, it's just one of the most popular listened to shows, you know, that we do on the Bill Bennett podcast. They love when Conrad Black's on and Victor Davis Hanson. And, uh, you know, people email all the time about the show, but they just say we like it. If you want to comment on what, anyone is saying, feel free to email BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com and leave a comment. All the comments about this show is we love it. We love it. More of this, more of this, more of it. You know, and so feel free to say that, but also just share your thoughts on the things that these gentlemen spoke about. And you often downplay your role. Uh, everyone loves, obviously, Victor Davis Hanson, Conrad Black, and you, Dr. Bennett. So I just want to- That's very kind. Thank yes. you. Let's begin. Goodness, there's a ton to talk about. Can we start by talking about the documents, security documents, uh, top security documents, perhaps? Let me just start here. I just saw a couple of polls that suggest the public's uh, concern about these documents is uh, serious and substantial in large numbers, about two thirds of the public. Uh, and it's the same number for former President Trump as for President President Biden. Uh, your thoughts, your comments, uh, the mainstream media not penetrating deep on the uh, Biden documents yet. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. They're kind of uh, turning on him, I think, but they're not talking about the differences uh, between these sets of documents and what they might reveal. Your thoughts, gentlemen? Well, I'll just add, Bill and Conrad, that the original just of the story was the asymmetry that the FBI was called in and raided Trump's home, and whereas Joe Biden supposedly self-reported and um, and worked with authorities. Of course, he didn't really self-report because he had had these documents since he was a senator, and he knew that, and he knew them as next vice president. He only reported them because he was afraid that it was either going to leak or the attention on the Mar-a-Lago would 
bounce back to him. But so that was the story that this unequal, the unequal treatment between the way that Trump was treated, even though he had the presidential prerogative to declassify versus Biden. But that didn't catch. I, I don't think that caught on as much as some of us thought it should. But there is one red line that I think will break up, either break or make the story, so to speak. And that is if Hunter Biden, who we know had access to these various locations, or even Joe Biden, used this classified material to enhance the Biden consortium business overseas. And so far, I mean, when Miranda Devine lists an email that looks more like an intelligence uh, synopsis than the usual Hunter Biden uh, poorly worded, poorly written riffs, it's really concerning. If that happens, that Biden was bringing out documents to leverage or to get an information uh, that would be helpful for his business. I think he's all through. So it could be a very, very big thing, or it could just be another, well, uh, why doesn't the press pick it up, but they don't sort of non-story. Could I offer a slightly different view? Uh, I, I, I agree with everything Victor said, but I have to say, I think that the initial move on on Trump was completely spurious. I think it was a political order to the attorney general. Uh, the idea that President Trump, and, and here I would include President Biden as well, I, I'm not his greatest supporter, as you know. I, I would defend both presidents from the charge of violating the Espionage Act. I just don't believe either of them would do that. With that said, I think that the initial raid on President Trump's house was a straight political operation ordered by the political leadership of the administration and carried out in a professionally reprehensible way by the attorney general. Uh, and and uh, I assume that it was a, a move to uh, improve the polls and the prospects for the Democrats coming up to the midterms, and it was successful. It created this chaotic atmosphere that reminded people of just how uh, uh, turbulent times were when Trump was at the forefront. And, and even though he was merely responding to something that I think was an outrageous misuse of the authority of the Justice Department, uh, the, the President Biden's uh, unpopularity, you know, his, 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 his approval rating from being 20 percent in, in deficit was came up to being only 10 percent in deficit. And so it was a somewhat effective political move. I assume not. You guys may think I'm just I don't know, drinking too much Kool-Aid up here in, in the winter in Canada. But um, I think that the, this whole move on Biden has, you know, it, it looks more to me like the Democratic uh, powers that be moving to to make sure he doesn't get serious about running for re-election uh, than, than to take an infamous account. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Hunter Biden story was Russian disinformation. This looks to me like a sandbag job on the president by the Democrats. Let's get to two points here. I agree with you, by the way. I mean, I think it was politically motivated, the raid on the raid on former President Trump. Uh, And I also think it's politically motivated uh, by the Democrats. Um, A lot of what they're saying and doing about uh, Biden, they're done with him. Uh, and so this is a, a perfectly available excuse for them uh, to move on from Biden. I think I think that's true. Whether or not um, we are right on that, the question remains, as, as Victor pointed out, as Miranda Devine is writing, did Hunter Biden effectively use uh, 
president's house as his office? Uh, and uh, was he borrowing from documents uh, in, in his uh, in his writings to enrich overseas? And it sure looks like it. Now, my question is, and let's just zero in on that one. There's a distinction uh, with a real difference between the two. Let's zero in on that one. Will the press pay attention to that difference? Will they whatever their attitude toward Biden, pursue this Hunter Biden possibility, or is it just going to be limited uh, to uh, a few conservative outlets? I think they're going to have to to pursue okay. it. I mean, it would be very easy to find out if they have these uh, documents archived at one point. You could run a word search and you could find very quickly if some of his emails have phraseology from classified documents, you could have DNA or uh, fingerprint look a uh, test on some of the documents that might help. But remember, it apparently is the red line because when Trump uh, was raided, the left almost immediately did uh, two things. They leaked a story because they felt that the key point wasn't not being sloppy, but what was in the documents and what was the purpose for their removal. And so they yeah. kind of lied and leaked that he had, quote unquote, nuclear codes or nuclear secrets or that he was trying to hawk mementos on the open market. And that therefore, I mean, they really did leak that out either out of the FBI or the DOJ. And they spread the documents on the floor and photographed them in a sort of a photo op. But the point was, they felt that just taking documents, especially if you were the president of the United States with the ability to declassify them and out to a residence, would not be enough uh, in itself to have justified what they did. So they tried to add on a force multiplier that they were yeah. top secret codes. That then that doesn't seem to be true. It was never verified. So I think that's the key. What, what was in the documents and how were they used and what purpose they were taken out? And if that if that's true, that Hunter Biden, who didn't have a classification and was monetizing their use, I think Biden will be... Uh, all through, maybe even before his term is up. And that will be the question is whether the left, as Conrad and you have suggested, uh, help advance that story, because that's the one story that would fit their purposes. I don't think just being sloppy will quite do it for them. So if they do want him out, Victor, you're saying um, just being sloppy isn't enough. Uh, So therefore, you think they do have reason is that is that their reason? Does they yeah. want him out? If this, they can find an associate is, or okay. a member of the Biden family or Tony Bobolinsky or someone that has communications or Hunter's own communications, and they can bring that forward or leak it, and that's and that that's pretty questionable. It's pretty clear, I should say, that that came from a classified document. And I don't think the president of the United States is going to be viable because what he basically it. said, yeah, he used his office to monetize his family. And that's a high crime and misdemeanor if there is one. And they will but pursue it. Your point, though, Bill and Conrad, is that you've made two good points. One, that it was leaked by internal opposition within the Democratic Party, thinking he's not viable in 2024, but that it's sloppy and it doesn't. I mean, that all presidents do it. Well, if that's true, then you're going to have to see a, an increase in the value of that <laughs> that hit on Biden. And the only thing you can think of is that the left then, according to your theory, will then start to leak information that Hunter uh, had access or a Biden brother or sister okay. or nephew. Okay. But, but meanwhile, we have the U.S. attorney in Delaware has been conducting a grand jury investigation yes. for three years, more than that. 
Absolute silence. The, the, his job is, in effect, being done by the redoubtable and admirable Miranda Devine, who's reporting from Sydney, Australia. And, and it, it, I mean, I, I, whoever, I forget his name now, the U.S. attorney in Delaware, but he deserves the John Durham Prize for foot dragging and in investigating him. Why haven't we heard a word from him? As Conrad pointed out, this was a political hit job against Trump. But notice what didn't happen. You didn't have any rumors. And we, Biden probably knew that he had these documents. He knew before the midterms and suppressed it. But there was no there was no forthcoming. Even Mike Pence didn't come out and say, you know what? I had these documents, too. He knew that. And neither did Jimmy Carter, who also has admitted. So my point is that there were all these former officials that when Trump was being victimized, they knew that they could be in the same situation, but they didn't come. They only came forth after Biden was doing it. And that is sort of hard to take. And I think you'll see more people saying, oh, wow, yes, I have these documents, too. So Biden is not that culpable. But they sure didn't want to volunteer the same a degree of uh, right. u- ubiquitous sloppiness when Trump was being. Uh, no, that's targeted. right. The attribution of uh, something much greater was there. So the difference now, now that it's been kind of normalized, regularized, at least, yeah. if I can use that word, by Pence, Carter, others. Uh, you need something else that makes a difference. And that would be uh, uh, that uh, Hunter Biden got access to these documents, used them, copied from them uh, for self-enrichment, enrichment of the family. From Trump's standpoint, it seems to me that uh, the, it is now almost impossible for the Democrats to indict him. I, I mean, it, it would, yep. if they if they came up with some new, you know, fabricated some new thing from the same fecund imagination that gave us the Trump-Russian collusion and the improper call to Zelensky and, and this nonsense at Trump's house. Uh, if they came up with a new grounds, now I think there would be a real credibility gap. And it isn't as easy right now to tar Trump with the brush of being uh, orange man bad as it was when he's not much in the news the, the antagonism to him in the quarters that are minded to be antagonistic to him subsides a good deal. And I, I've always felt that the two guardrails, the ultimate guardrails in the American system are that for better or worse, the judiciary will not overturn the apparent verdict of a presidential election. No, they won't do it. And we saw it in 2000. We saw it uh, in 2020, we, we saw it uh, in 1876, uh, and Mr. Nixon didn't test it in 1960. Uh, and the other one is on the other side, you don't indict an ex-president. We saw that with Ford and Nixon, and, and, and uh, you just don't Maybe. do it. In okay. my opinion, it's crossing the double white line in each case. So that's how the system manages to stay on the rails. So they're stuck with Trump. And I think the Quick presumption after the midterms that Trump was uh, was basically fading into the sunset is not necessarily correct. All I'm saying is I, I don't disagree, but I, I believe right now, Conrad, in the public's eye and mind, uh, these guys are equally culpable, uh, Trump and Biden. Uh, if we, we see the Hunter Biden play, uh, then then that could change, might change. But if uh, Biden gets in trouble, is removed, removes himself, whatever, uh, I don't know whether the public, given that they see these two in the same way right now, uh, will see them differently.
uh, in the future. I hope you're right. I hope he's not indicted, but um, I'm not I'm not so sure. Can we move on, guys? I want I do want to talk about politics some, but I, I did want to start with uh, with something we haven't talked about, which is the new House of Representatives, uh, Speaker McCarthy and so on. Um, what about that? Is McCarthy going to be able to do things that um, Republicans want? And will Republicans be able to do things that, that their supporters want? Victor? I think I think McCarthy in his first couple of press conferences has really surprised people. He was articulate. He outlined very succinctly and persuasively why Adam Schiff or Representative Omar or Swalwell don't belong on the committees. He had pretty much discipline uh, so far. So I think he surprised a lot of people. And, and for all Surprise of the Maverick, me. Yeah. And all the Surprise Maverick uh, entertainment of speaking a speaker may in the long run work to his advantage because so far, it looks like the people who are backing him are more of the dissidents that didn't want him than some of the moderates who say, yeah. you know, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't deny Ilian Almar a seat. But I, I think he's doing about as well as he could. But I was very struck that when he in those press conferences that he had the information Me at his too. fingertips. He was very persuasive. He was tough. He didn't back down. He handled the questions much better than Paul Ryan ever did. Not to sound like a stuck record, but the fact that Trump intervened to help him win on the 15th ballot, I, I think it helps the party generally and it helps Trump too, because it puts some blue water between him and the, the, you know, the more outspoken and uh, uh, swashbuckling members of the far right and the Republican congressional delegation. Uh, I think it's working out well. And, and, and they, they certainly seem minded to approach this whole question of investigating previous administration conduct. I mean, the current administration, the previous conduct and previous administrations, uh, in, in a in a much more plausible way than Pelosi's scurrilous uh, January sixth committee and that kind of thing. I mean, do they, okay, I, I think they're right to look into it, but they're certainly right not to make it a kangaroo court the way the Democrats did. Well, he gave a lot. Be- he gave a lot better reasons in detail why Omar Swalwell. And Schiff should not be in the committees, and Pelosi did. All right, good, good enough. And I, I, I agree with you. Both question again. Well, it's now two questions, guys. One, will the Republicans be able to do anything legislatively? I doubt it, because whatever they do, the Senate won't take, and if by some miracle, the Senate does. Biden won't sign it. Uh, that's legislation. Two, uh, good for uh, serious and thoughtful investigations, but. Again, I come back to the public. Uh, does the public care? Will the public be impatient? Will the public say, how about, how about fixing oil, uh, oil prices or gas prices? How about doing something about inflation? How about doing something about the border? If, if, the, if the majority of the work is uh, investigations, I don't think it sells in 2024. Am I wrong? No, I think you're right if that's how it appears, but it, it should be possible, especially given that we all agree McCarthy's starting out very well to 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 make it clear it's not a zero-sum game you can have some select committees looking into things while the great majority of the congressmen are looking at legitimate legislation and trying to make things better if they fall into that trap bill it'll be a disaster i agree with that but there's no reason why the congress can't conduct and in the in respect of 15 or 20 of them in in different committees some legitimate investigation almost equal numbers of both parties while the 
House of Representatives as a whole, with the Speaker gaveling it through, takes up real issues. It should be possible. I think when you only have the House and you don't have the presidency and you don't have the Senate, you only have three avenues of power. One is, as Conrad said, you can have these hearing and subpoena people and they can be embarrassing. They can even uncover things, but they can't. That can't be. It has to be balanced. The other is you can propose legislation, pass it if you have discipline and embarrass the left when it's defeated in the Senate and the, or vetoed by the president and show, to show the American people where they actually stand on the issues. Or yes. third, you can shut down the government. And every time they shut, even when Genrich did it, yeah. uh, that's a very tricky thing to do because almost immediately the left has control of the media and they can say that grandma's not getting her social securities checked. You're not getting your dialysis uh, service. Right. And it's a really hard thing to do, especially it's when the big mistake. It never works. Yeah, it never, never works for Republicans. And then That's the Republicans right. have this other problem, and that is they're right about the budget. Thirty-one trillion is unsustainable. When you go back to two thousand and you look at the Bush administration for eight years, and then you look at. Trump, given he had COVID, that's that's an exceptional circumstance. It's not much different in terms of the percentage of of the deficit uh, of the eight years of Obama versus the eight years of Bush versus the four years of Trump. Obama was a little bit more of a spender, but not much. But the deficit addressed at all, unless both parties are doing it. So you might as well not try and lay all the blame on one party. Yeah, I've shut down the government. I mean, conclusion here, it seems to me, of the three things that you mentioned, Victor, third one isn't going to work. They shut down the government. If the government is shut down, let's put it that way, Republicans will be blamed for it. It's a it's a it's it's a no win no win proposition. Yeah. So how how powerful can it be? Let's talk about prong number two of Victor's Conrad and get your opinion. How powerful can it be uh, to uh, propose legislation which is going nowhere because of the Senate and President being in a different party and a different view, and propose legislation in order to embarrass uh, the Democrats and the left when they defeat it? I think it'd be very effective, it, and it shouldn't be done with the apparent purpose of embarrassing the Democrats. But if they put through, for example, um, a serious proposal on the border, I, I, I mean, I think the, the, over, uh, the Democrats would be embarrassed. I, they, I don't think they can adopt it. So they will stop it somewhere in the Senate or the president's veto or somewhere. Let's talk a little bit uh, just uh, while I while I have you on the whole foreign policy front. Uh, well, one or two things anyway. Ukraine. Are we right to be giving them this much support? Do we continue to give a lot of support? Is there a limit? Are we worried about diminishing our own uh, capacity to react uh, by having, you know, not only a, a low strategic uh, petroleum reserve, but perhaps a low weapon reserve? Um, and we are sending tons of money. Uh, any hesitation here? Any qualms about it? I have some, I must say. Um, but I wonder if they're shared by you guys. I, I think there is. Remember that we were told that after that brilliant uh, saving of Kiev and then the advance that pushed the Russians back, we had people in the United States 
proclaiming victory, and it would be over by midwinter. And some of us, I think, on this broadcast said, you know, Russia has 10 times the area, three and a half times the population, 20, 30 times the area, 10 times the GDP, three and a half times. And if it want, and when you get closer to the border, it becomes Mother Russia rather than an expeditionary, you know, for, where they never do very well. So we were apprehensive about it. But the problem, I think, that everybody is having that each demand when they're legitimate demands to get the Russians out. But if you define victory as every single Russian out and a return to the 2013 borders, then there has to be some discussion how you do that and what are the means necessary to get that end. And they're not talking about that. So what we we end up, we need patriot missiles. If we have just have patriots, then we need just have Humvees or we just have mobile artillery. We just have HMRS missile platforms. If we just Abrams, Abrams tanks, tanks. now yeah. it's now it's no sooner Abrams tanks than F-16s. And meanwhile, we have this enigmatic Putin saying things like, don't do that, please. Right. Don't do that. Right. Don't do right. that. We right. say, oh, he's just he's just, you know, he's just brandishing the nuclear saber. He's like Kim Jong-un. He doesn't mean it. But this is a war, a con- biggest conventional war since Korea right on his border. And he said again and again that no nuclear power has ever lost a conventional war on their border. And we're not going to be the first one to do it. So at some point, I think our bipartisan foreign establishment, foreign affairs has to have a strategy. What do you want? What do you want victory to look like and how much are you willing to expend to achieve it? And to what degree are the Europeans on board and what degree are they not? We're not having that discussion. Right. Quickly, Victor, and then, I, then please, Conrad, what about Crimea? Well, that that that's very strange because a lot of us in 2014 said that the logical trajectory of the reset, which was basically a fancy word for appeasement of Putin, was going to be Russian aggrandizement, especially when we had the hot mic conversation, remember in Seoul yeah. 2012, in March, where Obama leaked out a deal where he said, if he gives me space, i.e. doesn't invade while I'm not right. I'll be flexible on missile defense. Both sides kept the bargain. We canceled missile defense. Putin didn't do anything until Obama was elected. And then when they took Crimea, what was striking at the time, a lot of us wrote op-eds, there was almost no outcry among the left at all during yeah. Obama. And yeah. yet that's so I don't know how you're going to get back Crimea and the eastern Ukraine to 2013 unless you do certain things. And we know what those certain things are. They're sinking the Black Sea fleet that's necessary to supply Crimea. And we've done that once with a capital ship. And Putin said it won't happen again. We'll see. And then stage raids inside Russia. And apparently we're going 400 miles inside Russia to hit airfields, uh, supply depots, uh, fuel depots. But you're going to have to do a lot more of that to starve uh, these Russians that are inside the borderlands and in Crimea. And you're really doing, I don't know, it's the same dilemma we had in Iraq uh, with Iran supplying the same thing we had in Vietnam, the same thing we had in Korea, the same thing the Russians had. And it, it's a very tricky uh, proposition when you stage an offensive, uh, even if it is retaliatory, 
raid inside the homeland of Russia historically and a nuclear Russia. So I don't I don't think anybody's talking about this. Look, I think we've got two objectives. We, the West. The, the first one is to prevent the takeover of Ukraine, which effectively okay. we've done. Okay. And, and the second is not to drive Russia into the arms of China durably, which would be a geostrategic disaster. So you've got to give the Russians something. Let them keep Crimea. It's Russian. They had it until 1954. And maybe a little bit of the Russian-speaking part of the provinces they claim to spuriously to have annexed. Give them something. We're not out to take to, to pay for a complete restitution of historic Ukraine. And we're not out to humiliate Russia beyond what is necessary to make their attempt to yeah. take of the whole of Ukraine impossible, I think. Isn't there a third objective, Conrad, which is, uh, which is to avoid nuclear war? Yeah, but we're, no one's going to have recourse to, to that, Bill. I mean, it, 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 that's lunacy territory, and it's not going to happen. I mean, we don't... Well, isn't we don't isn't that where Putin may be, is in lunacy territory? I, I, I look, he, he's certainly pretty worried and aware that he made a horrible mistake. And he's bandying about this holy mother Russia survival, you know, R- Russo-German war terminology, you know, Stalin's old uh, thing, which had some legitimacy fighting Hitler, but not here. And, and um, uh, but, but I, I think we would have to be completely incompetent to push him to the point where he thought that the national pride and his own survival depended on using nuclear weapons, which in any case would be local weapons only. But but once you start on that, it is very... He's already, he's already said, Conrad, that if any of these Western tanks use depleted uranium shells that that had crossed the nuclear. That's absurd, but he said that that crosses the nuclear threshold. And the purpose of the Abrams and the Leopards and the British tanks and the, in aggregate, they may be 80 or 90 of them is to have a spring offensive to shatter these defensive forces and get them out completely out of Ukraine. And then with air support from supposedly F-16s is what they want. So there's no other reason for that type of weaponry unless to push every single Russian out. And that's in accordance with what our Secretary of Defense said. I think he's the only person who said it. What the strategic aim of the United States was is so weaken Russia that they never imagine or contemplate doing this again, which is, I guess it's a legitimate agenda as long as you understand what that might entail. Well, so that's what we're supposed to, that's what we're doing right now. We're trying to arm them to be able to mount an offensive in the spring to get everybody out of Crimea. The fact is, since the question is, what are we recommending? My recommendation is not what the secretary said. I think this secretary of defense is pretty good, by the way. I think he's one of the strong people in that administration. And so is the CIA director. But, but I, 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 I think you have to give Russia some element of a compromise. Let Putin save some face for Russia and incidentally himself. And then let us get on with trying to bring Russia into the West and supporting the Western emulators in Russia and not the nativists. I think that's right. And I don't I didn't understand why Kissinger at the Davos, he has been giving very good outlines of how you have a negotiated settlement over the borderlands along your lines. But then he said that we could put Ukraine and NATO, which I think is a terrible mistake. It would be far better to arm you Ukraine 
so that Russia would not be able to repeat this offensive, but not put it in NATO. All right, there may be differences among, uh, on details among the three of us, uh, uh, General, uh, General Hanson, General uh, Black, and General Bennett. But are any, are any, is our government talking to Zelensky about this and saying, look, you're going to have to give something, and maybe it's Crimea? Uh, and, um, you know, th- there's a limit to ha- how long this could go, and there's a limit to what we can supply. Do you have any sense that our government is having those conversations? Mm-hmm. The, people, the people we have out at the Hoover Institution uh, from the bipartisan foreign policy establishment are united in the idea that the point of American policy is to get every Russian out of Ukraine and to so humiliate and weaken Russia that, it not only will not ever contemplate doing that again, but it will so weaken the Putin government, he'll be removed and there'll be some sort of preferable replacement, maybe even consensual government. That's pretty much what I hear from visitors and among my colleagues. Joe Biden said last year when they asked him, why aren't you giving them tanks? He said that would be dangerous. It would, that's crazy. I think that's the word you use. So it's it's this escalation that mission creep that we always worry about in America, that just one more will be the last request and just one more weapon system. And the problem no. is that all, all these weapon systems no. require a lot of American advisors and trainers. And we know what that that's always been a prescription for Americans getting much more and more involved. And then we have this existential problem when you're basically, when it boils down to, we are pledged to protect the territorial integrity and the borders of Ukraine when we have no border in the South and we've had 5 million entries by invitation. Almost. You bet. You bet. That, what about just, that? Just obscene. No. And what about our border is, yeah. you know, is a pretty persuasive argument. Hey, more interest in protecting the borders of Ukraine than protecting our own border. Hear that a lot. Hear that a lot these days. Yeah. But uh, but apart from that, I mean, I, I if your colleagues at Hoover are right, the one thing that will happen is more involvement, more tanks, more whatever, more Americans there. America, there will be Americans who will die, um, and then and then what do we do? So uh, I, I I just hope there's some different conversation going on with Zelensky. You, you mentioned, Bill, just very briefly, what was the effect on our ability to protect others? And we just withdrew 300,000 artillery shells from Israel that were there. And yeah. the, the statistics say it's going to take five years at present production to get back to where we were with j- our javelin stockpile. And the same is true of our uh, a lot of our drones, et cetera. So no one's talking that. Other countries, yeah, much closer to the United States, either formally by alliance or de facto, like South Korea, Japan, Australia, the Philippines, Taiwan. Uh, we're not going to be in a very good position to protect them, and yet I think they are in more danger in some ways, or they have more claims on American uh, help than sure. Ukraine. But but given those limitations. Uh, and, you know, the, the 300,000 missiles you're talking about and other things. Um, you know, if this uh, one of you, I think you, Victor, said this telephone conversation between uh, China and Russia. I mean, uh, if this takes place right now, it could take place that the Americans have never been weaker. Uh, they're giving up a lot of their firepower. 
Uh, they got a very weak president. If it's world domination uh, or subjugation of the United States that, you know, Putin and Xi are after or either or both, uh, now's the time, seems to me. We are at least most vulnerable. I don't want to be ter- so pessimistic, but, you know, look, looking at it objectively, you know, we're, we're much weaker than we should be given the way the world works. Yes, no. Yes, I, okay. I think our, we're, we're sort of talking loudly and carrying a twig. So we do we say things that are very indiscreet and provocative. We're in Afghanistan. We we fly the pride flag. We have gender yeah, studies. Yeah. We have George Floyd murals, and yet we're weak and scramble out. And so we lecture Putin on human rights, which I have no problem with. I support that. We lecture him, and the, and we let him go into Alsatia and Crimea, and but. And the Chinese, we're still, we're lecturing them all the time. We're going to disconnect we're this and that, but we don't have the ability right now to get precious metals or chip assembly. So it'd be much better to get ourselves in a, in a, a situation of strength, a huge arsenal of weapons, very good deterrence, and then keep quiet about it. But this idea that you can substitute verbiage for real strength is kind of dangerous. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I set great importance in the fact that in the Defense Authorization Act, uh, it was explicitly stated that if the People's Republic attacked Taiwan, the United States would intervene directly to support Taiwan. And that was something of a change from the Shanghai communique language, but I think it's probably justified by the antics of the Xi government. But um, so I I think that if the United States helped Taiwan, it it would be sufficient deterrence to China. They'd be putting half a million men out into three times as much open water as Eisenhower had to cross Normandy. Uh, let me just let me just comment on that. Maybe, but do we have the capacity to respond effectively? Yeah, the task of crossing the Formosa Strait, yes, yes, got it. Is is a that's a very serious undertaking. They're sitting ducks while they're out there. No, we 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 got that. But yeah. but the question Victor and I have is, um, do we have the capacity to respond? Well, uh, to you've help, got help you've Taiwan. got aircraft prepositioned in Japan and Okinawa, so it's not. It's not hard. No, I, I know. I, I agree with you, Conrad, but we haven't we haven't lost an American carrier since the autumn of 1942. And the idea that you're going to put a 14 billion, 5000 person carrier near anywhere near there is a sitting duck from what we understand about uh, shortage ship missile capability in part of the Chinese. So it's not whether we can do it or not. It's at what cost is it going to be approved or supported by the American people? If you say to the American people, 35 million people in Taiwan deserve our support. They're a democratic, successful society, the world's largest chip maker. They're vulnerable with our allies. Can we protect China? But there may be, that may cost us 10,000 Americans or a Marine Brigade or seven. I don't that that's going to be the question because nobody's talking about that. They're just saying, just like the Ukraine thing. Well, we're going to support Taiwan. Well, what does that exactly mean? Do you have the arsenal for it? You have the supplies. Do you have uh, enough artillery shells? Do you, are you ready for it? And from what we can see it, this military isn't. And what we're getting is, I mean, when you, when you have this, Joint Chief and the Secretary of Defense talking about wokeness and white, they're going to go through the ranks and 
and go after white rage and all of this crazy stuff and women and all these issues are not anything to do with battlefield efficacy unless they feel like it's a nation in arms, like a Napoleonic army that's a revolutionary woke force or something. But they're not talking about the amount of money you would have to spend and the type of officers you would have to be in in control and the types of uh, costs the American people would have to put to support. And I think they should be doing that. I I think the next administration should get rid of virtually every officer at three stars or above. I I think the top ranks of the Pentagon have atrophied. But uh, this is the same chairman of the Joint Chiefs who told us that the uh, opening of the Ukraine war that uh, Russia would take Kiev in three days and occupy the whole country within two weeks. I mean, yeah. And that was the least of his sins, Conrad. Remember, uh, he yeah. called his Ch- Chinese counterpart to say that his own commander-in-chief might be crazy and he wouldn't obey an order. Yeah. And then I he thought also, he should have been court-martialed. Yeah. yeah, and he assured us that Afghanistan would hold. He said that in June of 1921. Okay, should, should have been, should have been. Should have been, should have been. A lot of should have been, but the question is readiness. And I, I have to say, I'm very worried about our readiness. I'm we really are, worried uh, about it. I, I think we should talk a little bit about anything else uh, on your minds. I, I don't want to keep you more than another five or ten minutes, as agreed. Uh, what do you think, so, Bill, about the uh, upcoming DeSantis-Trump showdown? Well, I think there will be one, and um, I, I don't know uh, how it's going to turn out. Uh, the polls I saw were, were interesting, national polls. Uh, still have Trump ahead of DeSantis. However, the New Hampshire poll uh, had DeSantis substantially ahead of Trump. So I, I don't I don't know how it's going to break out. Um, you know, I I I I liked former president and I got to know him some. And I certainly think he ran a pretty good country overall. Uh, his record was very good on a lot of things, but uh, I, I don't think he's electable. Uh, and so um, I don't know the answer to your question, but I think I think he is steady or falling in terms of support, uh, Victor. And I think DeSantis is rising. Uh, Bill, do you think there's any truth to the theory that Trump has had a bit of a rebound in the last month or so supporting McCarthy and uh, one of McDaniel's too, the RNC yeah. chief? Both of them had a had a challenge and. DeSantis's challenge was that he could win, that he could appeal to the base, that he would take on preemptively the woke culture. And he did that. He proved that he with the Martha's Vineyard gambit with Disney, with the critical race theory, with the overwhelming victory. So he satisfied, I think, questions about it. And people on, on the right say, well, he's going to let in the Romney people again. I don't know if he, that's true or not. But I think so far he's doing everything and he's handled the Trump criticisms wonderfully. The question about Trump was not that he couldn't govern or not that he was right on the issues, but could he stop the Ron sanctimonious Mitch McConnell's wife is Asian, Youngkin's name sounds like it's Chinese, we should have overturned the two change the concept, all that gratuitous stuff. And I think Conrad's right about that. The last 30 days, he's shown a lot more discipline than he has in the last nine months. So somebody has got to him or he has a moment of introspection, said, you know what? I have a good record. 
I have the good, I have the best ideas on the issues. All I've got to do is not go down these cul-de-sacs and I'm in a pretty good position given what they're doing to me that looks very unfair to me and gives me sympathy. So they're each doing what they want and they're, you know, they're, they're equally, I think DeSantis comes close or uh, one point ahead of Biden and Trump gets close. But, uh, I think the suspicion is among the donor class, Bill, they agree with you that while they like Trump, they feel that he's not electable. And therefore, I think DeSantis is raising a lot of money, more than yeah. Trump. Yeah, that's is. right. But can he beat Trump in the primaries? I mean, he's I don't know. I don't know. I think that depends on how many people are in the primaries, too. Yeah, there that's could, a very good could, point. That's an excellent be, point. Bill. There could be 10 people. Yeah, that's, and, uh, that's how he won in 2016. Yeah, Trump and he did. gets he gets 24 percent, and DeSantis gets 22. Yeah, and, there, and there won. he goes. Yeah, there he goes. If they, if they unite behind DeSantis, DeSantis will win. But if they do what they do in 2016, Trump will finish one off, one after another, and he will be the nominee. Yep. yep. Okay. Good. Other thoughts? Anything else? Anybody want to talk about? We will do this. Does anyone want to hazard a guess about who would replace Biden as the Democratic nominee? (laughs) Yes, I'll give you a new one I heard. Uh, Now, this is conspiratorial. Yes, Michelle Michelle Obama. Have you heard it, Victor? Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah, well, here's the argument. Uh, I went to the polls. She's about the most popular woman in America. It turns out she's the most popular woman in the world. Um, a friend of mine who is uh, conspiracy oriented believes, you know, everything was stolen and all the all the elections were fixed for the Democrats uh, said, I know, said uh, she could probably beat Trump or DeSantis without cheating. Uh, that may be true. Uh, I'm afraid that, you know, um, that th- th- this could be possible. I, I, you got the other guy out there uh, in California. I mean, uh, Gavin Newsom, that seems to be. Um, you know, being talked about, but what the hell kind of record is he going to run on? None. I mean, you can't run on anything. All he is is a performance artist. So, you know, it's raining. So he says it's climate change. There's shootings, uh, Asian on Asian. He said it's because of gun violence. Uh, You know, talk about. He doesn't talk about any of the issues because we've got the highest taxes in the country, the biggest exodus, the worst infrastructure, the worst schools. It's 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 just homeless, illegal aliens. You name it. We're the 30, worst in every category. Thirty billion dollar. Uh, yeah, um, it's growing too. It's going to be $45 billion dollar. will get up in California. Yeah, and Texas has a thirty billion dollar surplus. No, he's no just. He, I think his only thing is he's supposed to be good looking and he's young and he's vibrant and he yells a lot. But other than that, he's an empty suit. All right, t- say a word about Michelle. <laughs> Oh, come on. All right. You laugh. Somebody's laughing. I'm not laughing. But I do think that Michelle in the abstract and Michelle in the concrete of that woman didn't uh, ask me to get a that woman in the store asked me to go reach high up to get her a package. I've never been proud of the country till Barack Obama ran. All of that stuff, that anger still hasn't dissipated. And when you you multiply the fact that she's lecturing people now about she, she about every month she she weighs in on our collective shortcomings, racist unfairness. But she does it now, not from the White House or not from Chicago, but from the Martha's Vineyard estate, the Calorama estate, 
or the new beachfront mansion in Hawaii. And it, it's, it, that's hard for, for people to stomach, I think. That I think among Trump would them. destroy that woman with his sarcasm. I think there it I would think really he, work. I, th- yeah. I think she's a sitting duck and he'd kill her. I think she has a very short, thin, short temper and thin skin, and that's what Trump likes. You're absolutely right. So I think that subtext, of course, is why not give Barack Obama 16 years of governance? And you can do that with Michelle. But I, I, I think she sounds great in the abstract, and she's smiles but once she starts talking on current affairs like racism okay. or unfairness it all comes back that what we remember about her but victor what would it be like when trump attacked her in that clever sarcastic way i mean it, it, she she i think she's humorless and vulnerable all those things that she's dropped around those outrageous things she said i, I think trump i think there trump's uh, uh, his his abrasiveness and his wit would actually be very effective. Well, he, good, destroyed, the he, good. Just, he destroyed Hillary Clinton, and everybody thought she would destroy Trump. And he was yeah, the good smart Trump would the the undisciplined. Yes, yeah. It's <laughs> whether you have the fir- it's whether you have the first debate Trump or the second debate Trump. Yeah, that's right. The second was very good. The first was I think was a disaster. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a disaster. But, but, okay. I mean, it's just out, not so much a debate. He's out speaking, and he's on the you know sort of the things he did about Bloomberg and so on. Where he, I mean, it was he has the ability. There's no doubt that he has the ability, and he, he has the talent, and he has the ability to do that on any given day. The question is, does he have the discipline? Yeah. He can be great, and he can be off. Well, that does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to Claude. The Bill Bennett Show.com. Yeah, it's not Claude the Bill Bennett Show.com. No, it's just the Bill Bennett Show.com. How about that? I'm the featured pre- yes. present, presenter. Yeah, of course. Okay. Why wouldn't you be? Why not? You, it's America. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We will catch up next week. <laughs> 